Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Slizzy. And it's the State of the New York Knicks podcast episode. I got my guy. The co-host is in the building. The man, the myth, the legend. My guy, Mr. Mitchell. How is you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm doing good, bro. I'm doing good. Uh, just just uh, obviously checking out the playoffs still that's still going on. But... Uh, yeah, looking now looking ahead and looking forward to next season. So we haven't spoken in a while, so it's a it's 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 a lot to get into. Um, we seen the lake. Let first let's get into what happened in the bubble. We see the Heat versus the Lakers in the NBA Finals. Um. When you look at both teams and how both teams was built, you look at the Lakers, they get three straight number two overall picks, and then LeBron comes over there after they win 33 games, and they get the fourth pick in the NBA draft, you know, the year after he gets hurt, and they trade for Anthony Davis. So let's look at the Miami Heat. Your draft, Tyler Hero, your draft, um, Bam Adebayo. You, you draft Duncan Robinson, you get this guy, um, none, off the scrap heap. Then you sign a guy like Jimmy Butler, and then it all comes together. You got a great – two great coaches on both sides of the ball, on both sides. Um, how you feeling about the finals, bro? Yeah, well, we know the Lakers, obviously, are in the finals. Um, they they took down the, the Denver Nuggets, and, and I had a feeling they would too because Denver had two hard series leading up to it. Um, but yeah, uh, Miami and Boston, um, I'll, I've been getting behind Miami, of course. Um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping they're going to spoil the party of some of the media talk out there. They're wanting the, the Boston versus LA motive for the finals. Um, I think Miami is, is built and, and has the depth to, um, to take it, take this series out, the Eastern conference finals and, and move on. Um, I like what I've been seeing. Obviously, Boston bounced back in the last couple of games after, um, yeah, kind of getting run over by the Heat, I guess, uh, in the fourth quarters in the first couple of games. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think uh, the Miami might actually take it out in game six. I, I, I think they'll be switched on. Uh, I'm expecting big games, obviously, from Goran Dragic, who's just been absolutely phenomenal through these playoffs. Uh, Jimmy Butler, I'm expecting to come back out and have a big game. And um, obviously, Bam Bam and uh, Tyler Hero, um, I expect also to have big games. So I, I think they're going to get there. And it's, then it's going to be an interesting series then if, it, if it's Miami versus LA in the NBA Finals. Well, I got Lakers in four. <laughs> this is going to be a real quick, real quick series, brother. Um, LeBron is on a mission. This Miami Heat team that he's currently facing is probably the weakest finals team that I've seen him play, personally. Um, Anthony Davis is on a mission. I'm happy for Dwight Howard. He could get a ring. Happy for him. Happy for Anthony Davis. I called him soft. I remember for us talking about trading for Anthony Davis, and me and you both said no. Um, Yeah. He proved everybody wrong. I'm happy for him. And I'm happy for LeBron, like, for for me personally, I'm I'm 30 years old. 
and I've been watching LeBron since I was 13 years old, 14 years old. So to watch one guy in 17 years, God forbid, knock on wood, he has not got gotten any major injuries. For him to be the 10 finals in non-straight, only get hurt for one season, then go to another finals is just I, I don't think we'll ever just see this in our lifetimes again. So let, let's just all appreciate his greatness. But shout yeah. shout out to both teams, man. It, it, beautiful. It, it's going to be a fun finals, but I got Lakers in four, bro. Yeah, um, I, I have a feeling, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter sort of who gets to the finals out of Boston and, and Miami. I, I think LA, well, I'm thinking they're going to win the finals this year, but um, – if Miami gets in there, I'll, I'll be getting behind Miami because no, nah, Miami got in. Um, oh, they got in. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I must have missed the game earlier today. Um, yeah, 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 you did. <laughs> um, it's alright. No, no, I think I want to see Jimmy Butler, who I who I believe's definitely one of the hardest working guys in the NBA. Um, I, I would really love to see him uh, get a ring finally. Um, it, it should have probably happened back in the Bulls days, but we know what happened with Derek Rose and a few others there. So it, it kind of sort of fell apart there due to injuries and, and other things going on. Um, and, and and I'd love to see Pat Riley uh, he, he, as a front office exec get another ring before he bows out because we know, like Pop, he, he's up there in age. Um I don't know how long he'll continue to be in the front office for, probably for at least another few seasons yet. But, yeah, I'd like to – I mean, you know, you get to the NBA finals, of course you want to win. So they'll they'll be there like the Lakers trying to win themselves. Um, I actually see it going to a game seven. I I actually see it going to a game seven. I, I don't think <laughs> – it's, it's interesting because a lot of the media, when these playoffs started, brushed aside Miami, didn't even look at Miami. Um, they've, they've surprised everyone. Um, yep. they haven't, I, I don't believe they've, they've had as hard of a run as what Denver had. And that's why I think the Lakers toppled Denver is because I just thought Denver was completely worn out from their two series prior. Um, this, this, this series now going on, uh, the series that was going on between Miami and Boston, I mean, it, it last couple of games before obviously Miami took it out. I mean, they were getting pushed. Um, but, yeah, before that, they were kind of just running through teams. Um, so I, I, I see it going to a game seven only because I think Miami's going to put up a real fight. Um, and, and I know for a fact they learnt uh, what series, it wasn't the Boston series, a series before that where they took one game and they focused just on one person. Now, I think they'll play hard defense against LeBron, but they know that they've got to focus on other people like AD. Um, e- e- mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and a few others, um, especially coming off the bench, like if Danny Green gets going from three, you know you've got to kind of get on top of him, uh, especially if he's in hot form. Um, you know, so – and Caruso. Caruso, I mean, yeah, he came out of nowhere, that that guy. And um, he is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, un- I love Caruso. Uh, yeah, underratedly brilliant. Um and yeah, so it's it's going to be a tough series. Um, yeah, as, as I said, it could go either way. It, it, Lakers could just steamroll them, or as I said, it could go to a game seven if Miami's going to put up a heck of a fight, which I think they will. Um, so it, it'll just be interesting. Obviously, when it comes to the NBA finals, 
first games, I've always looked at it as the first game is always critical. Usually, usually, like anything, you know, uh, in a you know five seven game series, uh, if you win the first game and get that under your belt, um, generally you go on to win it. Um, you know, we have seen that that sometimes isn't the case, but generally it is the case. So it, yeah, I, I, whoever wins that first game, it, it, the momentum obviously going to be <laughs> behind them. Um, and it'll be interesting. It's going to be a very, very interesting series. I, I don't. So, I just don't think. I, I just don't believe that the Lakers are going to have it too easy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Miami's going to make it easy on them to to win it. But yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. We're we, we going to see. We're going to see. We're going to see. Um, shout out to those two teams, though. But you know, back to the Knicks, man. Let let. We got to get into this Chris Paul topic because, you know, I've been listening. To, I, I, I listen to everybody's podcast and shout out to everybody that do podcasts. And, you know, I listen to both sides of the argument. I just got off, I, I just got off the phone with my friend. He was actually making an argument for the Knicks trading for Chris Paul. So I guess we could do the reasons why we should trade for Chris Paul. And I guess we could do the reasons why we shouldn't trade for Chris Paul. But let's do why we should first. So first of all, trading for Chris Paul, it's it's one thing that I don't want to do. I don't want to give up assets, right? But let's be honest. Frank Nilekina and Kevin Knox is not really good right now. They both averaged six points last season. So when you're giving up Frank Nilekina and you're give, or, or you're giving up Kevin Knox and you're giving up Julius Randle for Chris Paul, it's like, all right, you're subtracting Julius Randle, you're subtracting Kevin Knox, you're probably draft a wing at eight, so that wing is going to replace Kevin Knox, and you reset the timeline for a young wing on the roster as far as when to pay them. Um. It, that part is tough to me, but I can understand why you get rid of him. Um, he probably needs a new sh- new new home. I mean, when you average six points, I mean, and people say you soft. I mean, what can you say? Maybe him and Shay Gilgis Alexander could start something new over there. Okay, see, so we get Chris Paul in the building, right? All right, now Chris Paul will make the game easier for RJ Barrett for every other young player on the roster, basically. So. That's another thing. Tom Thibodeau is the coach, but the coach really is the players on the floor. So we need a vet on the floor that can also help the young players run along, regardless of where we land in the 2021 draft, which people say it's a lot of prospects in that draft. And, you know, one of the reasons why they don't want to trade for Chris Paul. But anyways, you want your prospects to get better. You want RJ to get better. You want better point guard play. We haven't had a point guard in about 20 years. I remember us trading Maurice Cheeks for Rod Strickland, the dumb nonsense, the Raymond Feltons, Tony Douglas. It's like it, it comes to a point in time where you want to show the fan base and other teams around the league that you want to win. So getting Chris Paul speeds up the rebuild. It speeds up the kids' growth whatever kids is left on the roster, because remember, we got two first-round picks next offseason. We got two first-round picks this season. So you got a lot of kids on the roster. Kids can be replaced. 
You get event leadership. You're not really focused on 2021 free agency. And you just want to show the fans you want to win, basically. I mean, you get in a Hall of Fame point guard. We just finished watching a whole season of Alfred Payton. What, what more can we want as a fan base? You want somebody who can mentor Frank Nilakina along the way as well. So keeping him and trading Knox, I mean, it's not a it's not a drop off. We know what Frank can do. He already brings defense, and maybe he could bring some offense in Tom Thibodeau's system. Um, I think that's the I, th- I think that's what I got for now for trading for Chris Paul. What, 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 what's your reasoning if the Knicks decide to trade for Chris Paul? What would be your reasonings behind it? Okay, reason reasons for trading for Chris Paul. Um, well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into because um, you you just spoke about or touched about it slightly, like what what type of deal to get him. But just adding him, I'm gonna talk about. Um, obviously, coming off a heck of a season with OKC, um, where he he actually had a really good run of health for a change compared to past prior seasons when he was with the Clippers. Um, I think he'll be a good value because at the end of the day, like you said, he's multiple-time all-star point guard. He's a vet. Um, he's got great leadership. Um, at one stage, um, he was considered the best point guard in the game, um, and he was playing like it this season too, like one of the best point guards in the game. Uh, so he'd be good for the young guys like RJ um, and, and Mitch. Um, and he'd be good for any, like any of the draft picks coming in as well. Um, just having that leadership in a very critical role to run the offense and run the floor. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he'd be a he'd be a good get in that sense. Um, it's just two, obviously two things: um, a matter of what you're giving up to get him, and or what you would have to give up to get him. And um, obviously, if if anything else, you just got to hope that he again he has another good run of health and stays on the court more than being off the court. <laughs> I mean, it's a couple of lineups that you know I could think about with Chris Paul, like Chris Paul with R.J. Barrett with Devin Vassell with. Jeremy Grant with Mitchell Robinson. I think that could win 45 games in the East if we play 82 games. If that's your if that's your foundation, you got defenders everywhere. You got a great Hall of Fame point guard who's going to lead the, the young guys. You get Jeremy Grant in the building and after you trade Julius Randle. I mean, that's a good lineup. I mean, it's tough, man, because Chris Paul, it also speeds up now, now here's now here's when we get into the negative part about Chris Paul, and why I really don't want to trade for this guy, because the media expectations and the fan expectations immediately rises, right? So, regardless if we keep our twenty twenty one lotto pick, if Chris Paul gets hurt, God forbid, not going to work, or you know, we just don't reach expectation. Like, we we win 27 games with Chris Paul, right? It's like, what superstar free agent, even if you wanted a superstar free agent, is willing to sacrifice his prime to come play with a 37-year-old Chris Paul? 
I don't know. I don't know that free agent. If you can name me a free agent, bro, be my guest. Say his name. After we win 27 games with Chris Paul. Then it's like you're giving up assets for a guy who's 36 years old going into next season who's going to be making $44 million. And that sound like the old Nick shit. Excuse my language. It sound like a Patrick Ewan trade all over again. It sound like Isaiah Thomas all over again. Like, it brings nightmares. Like, it, 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 it's so many drawbacks from the Chris Paul trade that, bro, I, it's tough, bro. And, and, and I remember you telling me and telling the fan base about not trading for Chris Paul. And I, I forgot what episode we was talking about it on, but I, I know we was talking about it about a month ago. And you brought up a great point. You spoke specifically about the future after Chris Paul. And you was talking about how we get him, and then after he leaves, what's the expectation now and who's the future point guard? So, like, you don't, is, isn't it? Did I miss any negatives about Chris Paul? No, no. Um, at the end of the day, the first thing you're going to bring up, obviously, is his age. Um, he probably isn't going to be playing a lot longer. 37, like you're saying, is turning. So, <clears throat> yeah, he's – it's his age that con- is a big concern. And with his age, as well as the Albatross contract that everybody still looks at too, that he's getting paid, you know, um, yeah, that that is going to take away. I mean, like – you, you'll have nothing left when he goes, when it pertains to point guard, because if they get him, then obviously they'll go a different direction when that pertains to picking in the draft, um, because they're going to be just, you know, sort of, they, they could go with one track. Oh, we're set now. One track mind set now. We've got Chris Paul. So now we can concentrate on, 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 on other positions and then they'll miss out. And you never know with, with drafts, in the future, what type of point guards are going to be there and, and where you're going to be picking. So that, that's there's a, there's a bit there, you know, when, when it pertains to, to bringing him in and, and the negatives that follow it, you know, and, and like you, you touched on and, and I've, I've also touched on, I mean, you get him and let's say he initially starts how he did in OKC, but then, like you said, you know, that, those uh, quads or his thighs, whatever, go on him and, he, and he's out again. Um, for long, lengthy periods of time. Well, then it it just makes no sense in, in the first place trading for him now because he's on the sideline for, for you know, half the season or whatever. Um, and you've just sent away assets that you could have gone somewhere else. You go for someone maybe a bit younger with a better track record of health. Like he, at 37, you, you're not ex- going to be <laughs> expecting a 37-year-old to play a full season. Well, I'm not. No. Yo, bro, peep this. He played 20, over 20,000 minutes in his career. No other point guard in the NBA, in NBA history that has played 20, that has played 20 plus thousand minutes has been productive in the NBA at 27 years old. I mean, at 37 years old. Like, no NBA point guard. Like, the the drop-off is just so alarming. Exactly, exactly. I have a feeling too that we could all say, say we get him right. I have a feeling he had, let's just say he has another great season 
in his first season with the Knicks like he did with OKC. And so by the end of that season, everyone's like, oh, cool, this is the old Chris Paul. Come, the, come his second year, though, a couple games in, he gets injured. And then we're seeing, you know, back to being the Chris Paul of, of years prior of, you know, he, he'll have a good little run, then he gets injured. And then he's out for a while. And then he's got to rehab and then he's got to come back and start all over again. And then he's back and then he gets injured. And then he's back and then he gets it. And like, you don't, the Knicks do not need that. This is the exact reason. And yeah, okay, we've, we've kind of bit on our word, been bitten on our words by AD, but this is the reason I was giving for AD as well. Now, he's had a hell of a season too with the Lakers and, and with health. And with health. Mm-hmm. Does that mean next season, though, he's gonna, it's going to be the same again? Or is it going to be that he, he could get an injury like he, and be injury-prone again like he was with Pelican? We, we just don't know. You just don't know that. It, it's the same thing when, you know, people in the draft uh, a couple of years ago were, were looking um, and, and judging Michael Porter Jr. I mean, you just didn't know how that back was, how he was going to come back from that back and how it's going to hold up. So you gotta, you got to, you know, weigh the risk and rewards of, of, of anything like this. So I personally think that the risks outweigh the rewards with Chris Paul. I actually think the rumours that were going around for a little while would probably be a better trade scenario for him where I heard about the Bucks going for him to upgrade at point guard get rid of Bledsoe and pair Chris Paul with Giannis. Now, that that I could see. That kind of makes a little bit more sense too because Milwaukee's in that type of mm-hmm. They want to do anything and everything to keep Giannis there, keep him happy, make sure that he'll sign the max and everything. So, if anything, I actually I actually kind of hope the Bucks get in, get in with a better deal and, and get him before we consider, you know, putting a package together. Um and, and to be quite honest, if the Bucks do, they, they probably might even have a better package. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? Because imagine if the Bucks <laughs> give the Knicks all that, give the, um, give OKC, give OKC all their assets, right? And then, <laughs> and then Giannis leaves the Bucks and goes to, <laughs> and goes to any other team, like the Lakers or yeah. the Knicks. Or, yeah. or, or or Dallas, and they gave up all their assets already for Chris Paul. Like that'd be crazy. Like it would. That, that's why. Yeah, that's why when I look at team, when I look at teams like Philadelphia, they're being run like how Steve Mills used to run the Knicks. And I don't want my team built like that. I don't. I don't. I don't want my teams not having a like. Having these high-priced dudes who's on these deals and and they don't deserve them, like I, I, I'm really sick of that. Yeah. So yeah. the Knicks need to not make no deals. Don't 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 like don't rush. We don't need no quick fix, fixes right now. So to get to move right along into the next um, subject, Tom Thibodeau. Um, Tom Thibodeau had you know, his recent press conference. And I, I think it was a good interview. I thought he gave us a little intel. Not much, but it was a little intel. And he spoke about the roster. He spoke, he, he gloated about R.J. Barrett. He spoke about the team and what he wanted to do, what he wanted to do with the team, 
how he wanted to run his offense. He spoke about corner three. He, he spoke about corner threes and playing defense, rebounding, sharing the ball. You know, a lot, yep. a, a lot of the basic things. And he but, also spoke. Uh, go ahead. He also spoke quite glowingly of, of Mitchell Robinson and how he doesn't want to put a ceiling on him because he thinks he's that talented. Yes. And, yep. And he also, Tom Thibodeau on the identity that he hopes to form with the Knicks. The foundation will be the defense, the rebounding, low turnovers, and sharing the ball and trying to get to the free throw line in as many corner threes as possible. So you got Frank Nilakina who shot – 52% on corner threes for this season. Great shooter from the corner three. I mean, a lot of our guys on the roster can shoot more corner threes. I mean, corner three is the easiest shot in basketball that people say. Another I, thing that's – go ahead. I was going to say, I have a feeling what, – what I took away from his discussion of how he wants to run the offense and defense and that, um, and, and – Obviously, we're going to touch on this too. Um, he has a lot of respect and admiration for Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. I have a feeling that he wants to run, you know, coach the Knicks very similar to the way Spolstra coaches the Miami Heat and the way they play. And they take a lot of corner threes with Hero and, and Jimmy Butler has even take, has been taking corner threes. Um, so just to put it in simple terms, for, for some people, you know, Knicks fans that may not have understood, you know, his technical term, that, that's basically what I, I've taken away is he, he, he wants to kind of run his team, yeah, like, similar to the Miami Heat, the way they play, which, which hey, that that's a good way to play. Hell yeah, you goddamn right about that. And, and, and Tim specifically mentions that they'll lay a foundation and decide – their primary coverages will be based on the strengths of their personnel, then mix in other coverages. This guy, Fisdale, never laid a foundation, never laid a defensive foundation at all. And we all know this. So Fisdale was talking about the defense, and he basically said there was no set defense. And in regards to defense and the team would play, Thibodeau again echoed that they would lay out lay a base first and then decide later whether to blitz a pick and roll, ice a pick and roll, or switch a pick and roll, and that they'll eventually wind up doing all three. So, you know, you see defenses like Miami who uses zone, who switches defensive, defensive coverages damn near every play. I mean, Spolstra is a great coach, bro. Pat Riley's a, a great GM, bro. Like, kudos to them for having a team built like that. And then a lot of things I noticed. Bam Adebayo with two wings and two guards. Coming off the bench, they usually play no center and they usually play four wings and like in the guard. So it, it's, it's, it's beautiful to see that Tibbs is watching everybody. Tibbs is understanding, you know, what's going on in today's NBA. And then Tibbs also spoke about Johnny Bryant and he spoke about how when he wasn't coaching, he visited Utah during his unemployment days. And he said that Johnny Bryant stuck out with his teaching of how he handled the young guys on the Utah Jazz roster. And 
that 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 shows me that Thibodeau is willing to learn. Like he's always willing to find something new into the game. Like the man has no kids, so I guess the Nick kids is his goddamn kids now. And um, Thibodeau also spoke about R.J. Barrett. He spoke about he, you know, he said, you know, he's been great, eager. He's working hard. If he does that day by day after day, he'll he'll improve quite a bit. Thibodeau also says. You know that RJ Barrett is gonna have like like I'm watching videos of RJ Barrett shoot, and I'm happy for RJ Barrett right now because the shot looks way better, it looks way cleaner. The elbow is the elbow is more straight. You know it doesn't got that little hitch in his in his jumper, so I'm 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 proud about RJ for that. But you know Thibodeau, I'm happy that we got him as a coach. I'm happy that. The Knicks got Johnny O. They got Mike Woodson. They got Yoshi. Yoshi. I'm gonna call him Yoshi Mitchell, the other um, um assistant assistant head coach on the on the staff. And then they Thibodeau also said that he was going to add more people to his staff. What you thought about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've seen that too. And um, yeah, he ain't done. <laughs> he ain't done yet. Um, he, he's putting, in, in my eyes, he's actually literally putting together quite a uh, a masterclass of of, of coaching here, um, because some of these guys, um, you know, Mike Woodson, for example, and, and Johnny Bryant, they've been um, both underrated, but both quietly doing their thing. You know, especially Johnny Bryan over in Utah. Um, both good coaches, both knowledgeable, both with a lot of experience. Um, but I, I'm loving the staff that, that Tibbs is putting together. Uh, and, yeah, if he can bring in another, another, you know, few guys, that even more, like the more the better for, for a brain trust. Um, it, it's all going to be advantages in the end, having all these voices, um, you know, under Tibbs, and um, you know he, he's willing. That that just shows too that he'll be eager and willing to, and be open to changing things up and, and learning. Obviously, um, compared to what we used to know Tibbs Tibbs to be like, um, so that that's also a good thing. Um, and yeah, I, I really like how it's being put together. I'll be interested to see who else gets added. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's good times when it pertains to our front office and, and coaching staff being put together. Um, so far, I'm liking every decision. Yeah, and and Thibodeau also talk about you know bringing in Kenny Payne, bringing in Kenny Payne. He also spoke about Kevin Knox a little bit. You know, Kevin Knox second season was a mess, regulated to min- modest minutes, almost entirely off the bench. He didn't get to really start, so. No, John Calipari said we got to wait a couple of years. So maybe this is the and, season that we get to see Knox wake up. And I've Go also ahead. heard, uh, uh, well, I know some have actually come in um, already, but I've also heard, just not named specifically, that they're going to bring in every now and then former Knicks legends to come in and have talks. And if they if they can still run around on the, on the court a little bit, get on the court with them in, in training and stuff like that. So... I thought um, a call to the past like that um, was another good thing that um, 
that Tibbs wants to introduce and bring uh, because that that can only help these the, these former players can can explain what it, what it's like to to live in New York what it's like to play in New York um, and, and and can help instill and and bring on a new culture that uh, Tibbs and his coaching staff want to set um, and what obviously our front office wants to set uh, because we, we've had no culture for for a long time now um, and. We kind of need that back. <laughs> no, we had no culture for twenty years, bro. <laughs> nah, nah. So, it, so you know what another thing that I like about Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau. Remember past Nick regimes? How it's always a leak. It's always politics, finger pointing. You know, it's always you know problems at MSG. And like so far with Leon Rose, it's been zipper tight. It's been no leaks. It's been no drama. It's been no nonsense. I've just been hearing nothing from Leon Rose. And I really appreciate him for just, just being quiet and not really getting into all of the propaganda, the Nick propaganda. I, I, I don't need the Knicks to fall into no propaganda no, about but, getting a star. Go ahead. Yeah, that, I'll, I'll agree with you. That's just another big thing I've picked up on um, – since we've we've had all this change in our front office and obviously with the coaching, is there hasn't been any negative, real negative press. There hasn't been any chit chatter. There hasn't, um, it just hasn't been anything, has it? It's just been quiet. Little news leaks here and there about additions to the coaching staff or the front office, and everybody obviously is is all on the one page and just getting on with things. Um, you know, they'll, they'll announce things in due course over time as, as other, as I said, other additions. And then when the draft comes and stuff like that. But it's just good to not hear the media constantly coming down on us all the time. Um, it's actually good just to, just to have that piece from the media and, and uh, little, little, little good bits of news here and there that I like hearing. So it, it's a change. It, it, there's a definitely a change in the wind, and it's a change for the good so far. Nah, that's a fact. I mean, they don't they don't talk bad about um, this guy at all. They don't they don't talk no. bad about they don't talk bad about Leon. They don't talk bad about Leon Rose. They don't talk bad about Mike Woodson. Nope. Kenny Payne. So, it, it, I mean, so far, so good, right? We can't complain too much, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that we got, that's all for Tom Thibodeau? I think we got everything about Tom Thibodeau, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's only, he only right, had so, the other day, so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll hear a little bit more in the more coming months. It, yes, uh, especially about the draft, because... I, I need to hear more about who they want at the draft. And speaking about the draft, which goes into our next segment, uh, Isaac Okoro. <laughs> so this is a guy who is now rumored that the Knicks are strongly considering that eight. You know, Mark Berman wrote it. You know, Ian Bagley said it. So I kind of believe it. I mean, Isaac Okoro fits Tibbs' mindset. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things with Isaac Okoro that's very great. Well, that's very good. Very great. Same shit. Whatever. Isaac Okoro leads NBA draft wins and shot creation efficiency. Efficiency. So that's one thing right there. One point one point thirty three 
96 percentile rank. That's extremely pr- impressive. That's in front of Emmanuel Quickly, Cassius Stanley, Aaron Nesmith, Josh, Josh Green, Anthony Edwards. That's inc- that's very impressive. Also with Isaac Okoro, his ranks in NBA draft rank, dr- draft wings and shot creation rank is number three on this list. At Auburn, his shot creation rate is 56%. So that's also impressive. Second on that list is Anthony Edwards. So, you know, Isaac, Isaac Okoro also, when you look at his body profile, 6'6", 225 pounds, 6'9", wingspan, first-generation Nigerian-American, was named the All-SEC freshman team, all-defensive team, and all-SEC second team. The kid is good, man. And also about Isaac Okoro, he has a free throw rate of 50, 0.55. So let's compare him to Kevin Knox, 0.37. Let's compare him to R.J. Barrett, 0.31. So he was getting to the line. Yeah. And that's very impressive and important numbers to look at. 67% was his free throw percentage. That has to improve because we got a guy like R.J. Barrett who also struggled with shooting. 16% field goal percentage on two-point jump shots. He has to improve his shot. That is very alarming. 28% on his three-point percentage. That is very alarming. But once again, in this particular draft, a lot of the guard prospects ain't shoot well either. Well, you got guys like LaMelo Ball who shoot, shot 25% from three, but we, we're going to ignore it because the kid looks amazing, 6'8", point guard. But... His free throw rate is very, very high. And I've heard other scouts say that he could play three through five. They they say he could play some small ball five in some certain situations. So, you know, he could play some small ball four, but he's a three in the NBA. So I like Isaac Okoro. I mean, if the Knicks pick him, I I can understand why they pick him. And I can understand that. What, what the foundation is going to be. You got Frank Nilekina, Isaac Okoro, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson. Okay. You got some defense there. Maybe Kenny Wooten gets some minutes because I see him taking some jump shots. You got some cooking there. But you need some offense. It's not 1990. It's 2020. And you need guys who could put the ball in the basket. And I don't see nobody in that youth group who could put the ball in the basket. So it, it, it's tough, man. But how you feeling about Isaac Okoro, bro? Well, if you remember, he was one of when you asked me on the last pod we were on. He's actually one of the guys I mentioned to that I liked for the eighth pick. Um, and then after I mentioned it, <laughs> all the noise started. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I I like him. I I actually think he he's just going to continue to get better. Um, and. As we t- have talked about in the past too, like it, it's a wings league now. Um, that that's how a lot of these teams are, are, are coming through in the playoffs is, is with their wings and their wing play. So, yeah, I, I'm all for it. If if that's if if he's still on the board and and we're going at eight and the noise is real, then I'm I'm picking Isaac Okora because I, I think in the NBA he especially offensively he's just going to 
yeah, he, 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 give him give him the time, and he he's going to be something um, offensively, and that's what we've been lacking. Someone like you said, like a shooter, and um, I think he, he, bringing him in could could definitely help guys like RJ as well, um, because RJ being a competitor. And, and if he sees someone that's shooting better than him, oh, you can better believe he'll be in that gym working his ass off and tail off to, to be just as good, if not better than that person. So, you know, that that's another thing to look at as well is, is bringing someone like that in is, is competition and pushing others to be better with their shooting. So um, that can only be a benef- beneficial as well. So I'm all for that pick. Um and when I started, the, the, the thing in my mind that I started thinking about when I started hearing the noise too more and more, that, that that's who we were interested in pick at eight. I was like, okay, so they've gone off the point guard notion that we heard many, 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 many months before. Um, and I think that would have only still been in play too if we had been picking higher. Um, so obviously they've got a different thing in mind when it comes to point guard. Um, and that's why they're, I think they're quite settled by the sounds of it on Okoro and bringing him in. Because as I said, you, you can never have enough wings and good shooting wings at that. So, <laughs> man, Isaac Okoro with RJ Barrett under Thibodeau. Thibodeau can't make one of them an all-star? I think he can. I think he probably make both of them an all-star. I mean... What's your, what's your player comp for Isaac Okoro? Yeah, I I mean I see your, I see him being an all star eventually. Um, you know it, it's you know especially if he's, you know his shooting's good and if it continues just to get better and better, I mean it's a shooter's league as we know um, these days. So yeah, I, I definitely see him being an all star, and and I'm still with as it pertains to RJ, I still see him also becoming an all star, especially under tips. I think his game is is going to probably come along leaps and bounds now that he has a coach that knows what he's bloody doing. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think both will will become all stars under Tibbs. That's for sure. I even think Mitch will, will eventually make an all star team under Tibbs. So there's three I could I could list off that that should should make all star status at some point under under Tom Thibodeau. Uh, we know. You just have to look back. I'm just going to look back on his Bulls days. I forget Minnesota days. But Jimmy Butler, Derek Rose, Joe Queen Noah, they all were all-stars, you know. So they were all under Tibbs. They were all coached very well. And when they were on the floor, they were a very dangerous team. So that that I'm kind of expecting the same sort of thing there. You know, we're going to have some all-stars or – Players coming out of their shell and becoming all stars under Tibbs, and, and you know if if he's got that right squad on there, and they're all mixing well together, and they're all playing well together, then uh, he's going to have some real success. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of happy that you know the Knicks is targeting a player like Isaac Okoro. It doesn't doesn't bother me at all. Doesn't bother me at all. But it's not. Um, a, put it this way, it's not a. It's not a dumb pick, put it that way. It's not a stupid pick. No, it, it's no, actually no. quite a smart not, pick. Not at all. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm I'm also okay with it myself. Not at all, especially when you think about when you when, when you think about team building. Isaac Okoro and RJ Barrett as my young wings. I wouldn't be mad at that. No. Nah. If Kevin Knox could bloom, 
then that would be even more impressive to me. So it, it it's a wait and see. Hopefully, you, you know, things could come into fruition. So um, two more things, and I guess we could get out of here. Um, let's talk real quick about this little subject. De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> so De'Aaron Fox wants a five-year max. Yeah. He wants 150 to 180 million. De'Aaron Fox, and, and let's be real. When I see guys who put up good stacks in losing seasons, I call it empty calories. Yep. He's been putting up a lot of empty calories these last few seasons because you're supposed to be that guy that leads that team. But that team has been devoid of talent, multiple coach changes, and he still has been able to produce. I believe that they were supposed to keep Dave Georgia. Yeah. I, I, I butchered his name, but they were supposed to keep that guy. Oh, yeah. Their whole team was shooting impressive from three, and they was winning some games. They only, and, just, missed, they only just missed the playoffs, too. Yes. Yep, yep. And I didn't see the reason for firing him. I didn't see the reason why you don't pick Luka Doncic over Marvin Bagley, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So you see De'Aaron Fox, who wants five years, $150 million. Sacramento owner is cheap. Yeah, he, I Very don't think he's going to pay it. I don't, I don't think he's going to pay it, to be quite honest. He ain't going to pay that. We both know this. So if the Knicks come into the picture, first of all, I will ask you, would you pay him $150 million if he was your starting point guard for the Knicks? That's what I'm going to ask you first. Well, I'll really – it's a tough question. I'll, tough. It is because I, re- I do. I really like De'Aaron Fox. And personally, I'd like to see him out of Sacramento you know, on, on a better team um, because, yeah, he, he can be a starring point guard. Um, very, very quick. Very, very quick on that floor. Um, so he, he would – having a point guard like him, you'd, you'd have – uh, quite a quick offense. Like he, he runs the offense quite quickly. Um, he's, he's not too bad either uh, on the defensive end as well. Um, you know, he's not the best either, but he's not too bad. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it is difficult because, as I said, he's he's young. Um, I think he can still get better. Um, He's improved a hell of a lot since coming into the league too. But hmm, I'd, I'd say, he's, I mean, don't get me wrong, he deserves to get paid and he, he, he would be worth a bit, but I don't know about $150 million just yet because, you know, he, he, like you said, um, and it's not his fault uh, with the coaching changes. It's not his fault that other players have gone down with injuries like Bagley, like Harry Giles and others. Um, so he hasn't had all, all, all the cards on deck. Uh, so, but yeah, I don't know if he, if he, I don't know if we would pay him 150 million, but I will say this, I'd rather trade for him than I would Chris Paul, hands down, hands down. Cause he fits the timeline better. So, it, you know, Heck. you, 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 you answered the tough question. But 
what is you willing to trade for him to get him in a Nick uniform in the event that he wants out of Sacramento and they have no leverage? Yeah, well, obviously, I'd be putting Julius Randle up first, first and foremost. Um, then I just <laughs> after Julius Randle, I don't know. I don't know exactly who you'd throw in. I mean, Julius Randle, maybe Knox, and I just I just wouldn't be giving him picks if I could avoid it. You if I could avoid it. You're gonna have to give up. I, I see me. I would do the smart thing, and I would, I would give him a lottery protected 21, 2021 pick. I think that's yeah. what I would do. Um, just lottery protected though. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, and then who but, would you? But, would but you? If, if you're getting Randall, like, like if we're trying to trade them, Randall. Don't they have a glut at the center position? Or is, will Willie Cully-Stein leave, though? Willie Cully-Stein's not there. He's with the Warriors. Oh, yes, you're right. He is with the Warriors. Oh, damn. Yeah. So, damn. So, who are bigs right now? Um, Harry Giles is the only center really on that roster. Because <laughs> Marvin Bagley, they were playing at the four. So if Marvin plays the four, how are we gonna trade them Randall? You see this see this is the conundrum. This is yeah. the conundrum. And then that. okay, you wanna give him DSJ. What oh, it's tough, bro. It's I which I mean we, it would have to be a three team trade. I think it would it would have to be. DSJ would have to be involved, my my way of thinking, because once they got rid of De'Aaron, they've only really got Corey Joseph there. So they're going to need another point guard. So you got one point guard to run the the, the main offense, and then obviously the point guard to run the the second unit. So I'd be throwing DSJ in there anyway in the deal. Damn, you might have to give up the lottery pick. That's what I'm not trying to do. But you got to uh, give the get that. It, like, like it's tough because you got to give the get. Like you, you the don't any, any other thing. Up. Go ahead. See what what's 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 De'Aaron Fox's salary right now? Like what's he on a season right now? I think he's still on his rookie deal, so he probably makes somewhere around like like ten million, eight, nine, ten million. Yeah. So I mean you could probably give I don't know if they they'd take DSJ Knox, um, the pick you were talking about, and um I don't know, you throw someone else in the deal too. But, yeah, I'm just trying to think who else you could throw in there. <laughs> I'm trying not to throw I'm trying not to throw Frank because I want to keep Frank. <laughs> just because. <laughs> that's, just that's because. The, the old, <laughs> that's, see, that's, see, that's the shit Nick fans, Nick fans be getting mad at because everybody got a sore spot for Frank Milikina, man. It, it's tough because I'm it's not just, trying to give him up neither, man. Cause yeah. Because yeah, I, I, that's what, that's the only reason I like him. And, and look, I mean, maybe Tibbs unlocks something in him on offense that none of us have seen, and who knows. But when it pertains to defense, I really don't want to give up a defensive player like him because you always need that kind of guy. 
as I said, you, he, 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 even running this, coming off this bench in the second unit, he, it's still good to have that guy because he can cover three positions on defense. He's so long. Um, and I mean, like, he not he not he, he he may never be the greatest shooter, but I mean if Tibbs if Tibbs can get him shooting at least or even driving to the rim more than what he has been doing, um, yeah, it, it it'd, it'd be good because I, I just want to see him offensively. I want to see him play like he did for France. I want to know where that Frank offense offensive Frank went because. He looked dangerous. I mean, he still wasn't the greatest shooter, but he still looked dangerous as hell. He was driving Pick to the and rim. Roll and... play. Pick and roll. Yeah. Fitzgerald yeah. was last in the NBA in pick and roll play. Play. Yeah. So they, I reckon Tibbs is going to play him exactly the same way the, the coach of France played him. He needs to because I'm sick of Frank just like – I'm sick of the dribble handoffs. I'm sick of him just not running pick and roll all together. Like, it's no reason why this man should not. And he's dangerous with pick and roll, man. He is. He's dangerous. He showed it. He showed it. That's why I couldn't understand Fisdale not allowing him to play that way because surely he would have been like all of us watching him internationally when he was playing internationally and going, holy crap, this guy, this guy nails a pick and roll. Like, that's his thing. Um, so let him let him do it. I reckon Tibbs will too, because Tib Tibbs would have been watching the international play like all of us. So he would have gone, okay. Well, we know what Frank is defensively. We already know that, so we're set on that. Um, offensively, we need to play him like he was playing for France, because that's that's where his game will be brought out, and he can only help on the offense then, playing that style, the pick and roll. So uh, especially running coming off the second unit. Um, I still, I still never think he's going to be a starting point guard, but a, but a, but a, a second unit point guard, yeah, for sure. And you, as I said, uh, I reckon uh, Tibbs is going to get out the best of him on offense. So uh, I think it's worthwhile keeping him. I'd rather keep him than DSJ because Frank offers. There's more positive around Frank than there is DSJ. Put it that way. <laughs> I want DSJ to succeed. It's just... I do, I do, but I, I don't think it's going to be in New York. I, I think he needs to go somewhere quieter without bright lights, and that's where I think. Like, you know, I know Dallas, it's, it, it, it's a big city, but he was thriving down there because he didn't have the bright lights and stuff before, obviously, it came along. But I could see him thriving over in Sacramento if we sent him over there. It's small, it's a small area. Um. Yeah, I mean, his game could could only get better under LeBron while LeBron's there. Um, that'd be beneficial too. But if not the Lakers, yeah, like somewhere like Sacramento or another small team like that, I think he could shine. Yeah, I, I mean, the De'Aaron Fox topic is going to come up real soon. So I just wanted me and you to tackle that topic real quick before everybody else catch on because – he, I don't think he's gonna sign that deal, and I don't. Nah, no, no, no. I think he will sign it, but I think Sacramento will not offer him the money he think he deserves. And then yeah. in that event, I think he will be traded. So if he acts out, then 
whatever team that wants him is going to give – he has all leverage. So he might as well give him a list of teams to trade me to and see what happens there. Because I, I'm telling you right now, a backcourt of RJ and Fox under tips? That'd be that's dangerous. That, that, that's tough. That, 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 I like that. I, I like Ooh, that yeah. a lot. Uh, As I said, if there is a point guard I I would trade for, it'd be De'Aaron Fox. Like I said, he fits the timeline perfectly. Um, He's only going to continue to get better. Uh, I think think the Lakers made a big mistake choosing Lonzo over him. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I, I, I think... You know, uh, as he keeps progressing and that, uh, I easily see him eventually one day easily being a top 10 point guard. So, I mean, that De'Aaron Fox is going, he's going to be really good, man. I, I just hope Sacramento get it together. Um, Last thing, man, then let's get out of here, man. Do Kenny Wooten see any minutes next season on the big club? Because I'm seeing jump shots, I'm seeing I'm seeing him working with 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 Kenny Payne. I'm seeing the pictures. I'm pretty sure he's working with Mike Woodson. I see him shooting jump shots with Taj Gibson, the mentor, the vet. Love you, Taj. Please come back to the Knicks. Um, how you feel about Kenny Wood, man? Is, is he going to get some minutes? What 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 you do? Do we expect to see him on the on, on the big club next season? Um. Yeah, if, if if certain moves are made, I, I'd think so. Like if, if you shuffle Randall out of there um, and a couple others, yeah, obviously I think they will bring him up. I think he played really well for Westchester last season. So did uh, so did my guy down there, yeah, old Iggy. Iggy, man. Yeah. Uh, oh, let, let, let's not forget Iggy too because he could probably get some minutes on, on next year's club too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see both of them be brought up actually personally to the um, to the main main roster. I think um, they had both had good seasons down there for Westchester, and and I think it's time to bring them up. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But it, as I said, when it comes to Kenny Wooten, it, it'll all come down to you know, as I said, if we can get out from under Randall and and a couple others, then yeah, I think he will rightfully so get a spot. So, I, I actually like Kenny Wooten. I like I like the energy and the bounce that kid brings. Yeah, like, man. <laughs> he's that kid, um, man. He, he's a type. He's a type of player that the Knicks have been lacking when it comes to energy uh, outside of obviously RJ. Um, so yeah, I, I'd love to see him get his chance and get some minutes. I hope he just don't turn into like Montrez Harrell. Like I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't need Montrez Harrell on my team. I need a guy who can score on the offensive side of the ball. Because Montrez, don't get me wrong, he gives you energy. He said some bullshit like two months ago talking about he's the modern day Dennis Rodman. So, he, you know, he gives you energy, but he brings nothing on the offensive side of the ball. So, Mon, like, I would love to see Kenny Wooden play in the Tibbs offense, but I need him to space the floor. That that's what I care about. That's what today's NBA is about. I mean, you got one non-floor spacer. Bam out of bio 
he's like he's not a liability out there, but he's not really a a, a, a floor spacing big. But he will take a mid range jump shot if he's just completely open. And you know, it's it's tough, man. I would love to see Kenny Wooden on on, on next year's the big club if we get some of these guys out of there, or if we in if we out of playoff contention and you know the young guys gotta get benched. Play Kenny Warren. But any last words for the people, Mr. Mitchell, before we get out of here, bro? Yeah. Uh, obviously, the draft's coming up soon. Um, so, be interesting to see what, who we pick. Obviously, um, by the looks of it, with uh, pick eight, we, we're pretty set on Okoro if he's available. Uh, and, yeah, I'm... I'm just curious to see how this now this off season plays out. What what changes are going to be made? What what our roster is going to look like at the start of next season? Um, the De'Aaron Fox talk that that's a talk I'm interested in from a trade perspective. Let's leave the CP3 talk alone. Let someone else take him. Um, but yeah, um, very very interesting off season, especially with the team that's been put together top to bottom from front office to coach. Uh, so. Yeah, only only the, let let let's let the good times keep rolling. Let's hope we uh, continue to make the right choices, um, pick well in the draft, and um, yeah, without uh, giving up a couple of our best assets. Let, let's hope if if the thing is for our point guard situation is to make a trade, we make that trade with Sacramento, and we go after um, someone that fits our timeline in Dr. and Fox. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting trade, trade man. We, I, I don't know if it's ever gonna come to fruition, but if it do, man, that that's gonna be tough, man. Um, my God, Mister Mitchell, man, I love I, I love this episode. We got into a lot, man. We got into basically damn near all the recent Nick news, so I'm happy about that. Um, hopefully, we could get more Nick news so we could talk more get another podcast coming up soon. But shout outs to Nick Nation, man. I appreciate appreciate all of y'all tuning in from all around the world. I appreciate everybody. Mr. Mitchell, I appreciate you, brother. Podcast calls. Loved you guys since you joined the pod, man. Shout outs to you, man. You've been wonderful on the pod, bro. I appreciate you. Nick fans, we out of here. State of the New York Knicks podcast, episode 108. Peace.